0: You turn with me, please, to the book of Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4, beginning to read at verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground and Abel and an offering pardon me, an offering unto the Lord and Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel unto his offering but unto Cain unto his offering he had not respect and Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell and the Lord said unto Cain why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen if thou doest well thou shalt not be shalt thou not be accepted and if thou doest not well sin lieth At the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Let us pray. Father, we pray you'll take your own word and wing it to our hearts, to the saved. May they be encouraged in the Lord this evening as we meditate and ponder upon the things of God, upon the blood sacrifice. And Lord, as we meditate upon that, we pray also that your spirit would move upon anyone here who is not saved, Lord, that you would see fit to reach them this this evening, that They would come to a saving faith in Christ. And again, Lord, that you would speak to one who is wayward, backslidden in heart and cold. And would you draw them back to thee again. Father, we need you. We need your spirit. And without you, we can do nothing. But Lord, we do all things to your glory. So take me up, I pray, this evening. And use me. For Jesus name's sake I ask it. Amen. Adam. Knew Eve his wife. And she conceived. And bare Cain and said. I have gotten. A man from the Lord. Now you and I know that. Cain. Was not the man gotten. From the Lord. In other words. She thought that he was to be the one who would come from Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. The Lord said, after Adam and Eve had fallen and sin would bring forth death and separation from God forever. After the Lord would be placing the curse on the earth, on the man, on the woman and on The serpent, Genesis 3 and 15, the Lord gives hope and a promise. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, he says to the serpent. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head. Thou shalt bruise his heel. Hear the promise of the Redeemer to come. And here Eve now thinking, she's gotten a man from the Lord. In other words, she feels, is this the Redeemer? Is this the one already whom the Lord hath spoken of? You see, I don't think we fully realize what it is like to be separated from God. Every one of us were born in sin. Every one of us were born with a depraved nature and so... We grow up not knowing what it is like to have communion and fellowship with God every day from the beginning. Adam and Eve did know what it was like and Adam and Eve then knew the separation, the brevity of it, the depths of it. And so being separated from God forever, now it seems that Eve thinks I have gotten a man from the Lord. Surely this is the one who would come, whom God had spoken about to us. We know that Cain, the Lord Jesus, says he was off that wicked one. And Cain slew Abel. We're told that even in our reading this evening. Cain was not, as we know, the Redeemer. For Christ would come. Christ would come through the line of Seth after Cain kills Abel, And Seth means appointed. The appointed line would come where the Lord Jesus, years and years later, would be born. And redemption would be made for us at Calvary. When Christ would shed his precious blood and pay for the fullness of our debt. And those who would trust in the Lord Jesus Those who would rely solely, uniquely, only, completely, and totally on the blood which he shed for their salvation, for their redemption, for their forgiveness, and for their cleansing from sin. They would be redeemed by the blood of Christ, and they would be reconciled again to God in the Lord. Jesus Christ. Here Eve so willingly thinks this man is the man that the Lord has been speaking about. You see, the serpent beguiled Eve. He tricked her. And she then gave to her husband Adam, the federal head of creation. And in Adam all men fell. In Adam, all of our race fell. In Adam, all of us became sinners. In Adam, all of us died. But it was the woman that was beguiled and still beguiled in a sense that she thought Cain might have been this seed of the woman, the righteous one. Notice, and she again bare his brother Abel And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a teller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought forth the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, notice, and and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel, and to his offerings. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. We are told today about respect, respect, respect. Now, I I believe in respect, don't get me wrong. But we're meant to respect the things that are ungodly. We're told today to accept and to respect everyone's wishes, even when they're against the word of God. We're told to respect things that are not only ungodly, but they're unscriptural. And not only ungodly and unscriptural, but they're unholy. And not only ungodly, unscriptural and unholy, but they're against the word of God. And everything that the word of God says, And we as believers are supposed and told and expected to respect that. The degeneracy of society and the things that are happening in our land and our nation, we are told to respect it. Yet God did not respect it. God did not respect Cain's offering. Cain's offering of the fruit of the ground. Cain's offering of the work of his hands, Cain's religion, Cain's way was not respected by God. And if God does not respect it, brothers and sisters, then you and I should never accept it nor respect it, but rather only that which is scriptural and biblical and holy and sanctified unto the Lord, should we as believers accept and respect? When we see heathen idolatry and the nations of the world come into our land and put up their places of worship and call across the land their own to come to worship, how are we supposed to respect that and accept that? When, brothers and sisters, this land was a land covenanted unto God, covenanted unto Christ. And this was a land which sent forth missionaries across the world to preach the gospel of saving grace. Yet so willingly and so easily, we now are accepting ungodliness in the land ungodliness among us and even ungodliness in places of worship, the churches and so on. God would not accept and God would not respect Cain's offering. You know why? Because it wasn't the way God had told them to come through Adam. It wasn't of the way God had showed when he clothed Adam and Eve, when they were naked in their sin, and they realized their nakedness, and the, and the Lord comes in the cool of the day as usual, crying, Adam, where art thou? Adam, Adam, where are you? And Adam and Eve are hiding among the trees. And they come out and say, we were, I heard thy voice in the garden, and we were hiding because we were naked and the Lord said unto them, Who told you you were naked? And you see, it was the age of purity, and the age of innocency, and the age of holiness had gone. For man and woman then were full of their own ways, and sin had come in and it brought forth death. Brothers and sisters, Friends, this evening, you and I are off Adam's race. You and I are off the same nature. And you and I have the same genes as Adam. No different nor any better. And God had to go and slay an animal. Innocent animal. And blood was shed. And he clothed them with skins you see they had tried their own works of covering and that was with making aprons of the fig leaves and that is man's religion cain is still in man's religion and cain offers up the work of his hands he, he, Without a doubt he put his heart into it in the sense where he dug over the ground and he tilled the soil and he planted the seeds and he covered it over and he would make sure that it was well looked after and, and Cain would watch it with patience as it would start to bud and to bloom and to bear fruit. And they're thinking I'm doing this for to give on to God the first fruits of it. And he brings it and he lays it down on an altar before the Lord. And the Lord refuses it. Has no respect for it. And he does not accept it. Yet Abel comes remembering the blood of the innocent animal. Remembering the blood and the way God covered and the way God clothed. And the way he could come was through the blood. And he brings the firstling of his flock. And there he brings it before the Lord. A bloody mess. A bloody sacrifice. And there the blood is shed. And God accepts. And God has respect. Unto Abel's. Offering. You know, my friends, Abel's offering or Abel's altar is repulsive to man's eye. When we think about it, the little animal that was slain and the blood that poured forth from its veins. No matter how many liters or pints or gallons of blood, it wasn't just a sprinkle. It was blood all over it. Abel's hands were Probably covered in blood. Abel's feet were probably covered in blood. Abel's legs covered in blood. Abel was covered in innocent blood. Repulsive to the eye of carnal natural man. But to God it was beautiful. But to God it was righteous. To God it was just and to God it was acceptable. It was through the blood that Abel could come and through the blood that God would accept and have respect of the offering. But the works of Cain's hands the works of his hands were not acceptable to God. Religion. The paraphernalia that comes with much of it. The ritual. The ceremonies. All of the pomp. All of the good living for living. All of the works of man's hands. All of these things are nothing but as filthy rags before the Lord. And all of these things are unacceptable with God for salvation. Charity works are good, but not for salvation. They are the work of Cain. They are the work of hands. They are the work of man. And they can never, ever take away sin, nor pay your debt. But rather, a man and a woman must come through. And by the way of the cross, of the finished work, Of the blood of Christ. Only through the blood. The hymn writer could say. What can wash away my stain? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other find I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's all in the blood of God's sinless, spotless lamb, the innocent one, he who did no sin, who knew not sin. Was yet without sin, but yet bore our sin in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, might live the righteousness in him. Oh, what a Saviour! What a Christ! What a sacrifice! What a substitute! What a God! What a Redeemer! What a Lord! And what a friend we have in Jesus. Notice here, friends, tonight. Brothers and sisters, Cain was very disappointed. Oh, I would not like to see the faces of many. The faces of many who think they'll just waft to heaven in a hand basket when they die and they've lived like a devil all their lives. And they've rejected Christ all their days. And they think when they die, sure we're going to leave this physical temple and we'll be around uh, the battlements of glory and through the pearly gates and walking on golden streets. All, oh, but they'll be sorely and tragically disappointed if they have rejected the blood of God's Son. If they have turned away the blood of the Lamb of God, if they have refused to come in this life by faith through grace in our Lord Jesus Christ. Sorely disappointed, without hope, without reprieve, no second chance, friend. But you see, today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart, but rather come to Christ. Cain is sorely, sorely disappointed. In Genesis 4 and verse 5 it says, But unto Cain and to his offerings he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Notice he was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen? Cain What's wrong with you? Cain, why do you look like that? His face told the tale. And God looks in the heart of men and women. And God searches the heart and he tries the reins to say, why are you wrath? Why are you angry? Why are you bitter? Why are you like that? When there's always the sacrifice of the blood that was shed for you. And what will it be like that day. When man and woman stand before the almighty God in Christ. Now tonight. The title is simply at the door. Would you look at our reading please. Verse 7, the Lord says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. The word well doesn't mean works. It means if you do what I tell you to do. If you come the way I have told you to come. Not your way, Cain, but my way, says the Lord. And if thou doest not well, notice sin lieth. At the door. Sin lieth at the door. In other words, your sin is at your door. Some Hebrew scholars think it gives the idea of some ravenous, wild, beastly animal, and sin will ravish you. It's at your own door. It belongs to you and it will eat you up and ravish you. And it will be impossible to overcome and to kill on your own. Sin lieth at the door. Oh, today we want to call it make mistakes in church. Friend, it's called sin. Sin. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that great Baptist preacher, once said, Sin is a brat that no one wants to own. Sin is a brat that no one wants to own. In other words, men and women refuse God and run from God and try to hide from God. And they reject him because they know deep in their hearts that they're sinners. And their only way to fight against it is to say he doesn't exist. I do not believe in God. Or they reject him and try to hide from him. My friend, sin lieth at your door no matter how far you run. No matter where you go to hide, sin lies at your door. Outside of Christ and rejecting the blood of the Lamb, sin lies at the door. It's like one of the children maybe in a a shop and they want, I want, I want, and the mum or dad is saying No. The child gets on the floor and kicks and shouts and screams and yells and bawls in the middle of the shop, and you're sorely embarrassed by it. And you try to edge your way from that child as if they're not yours, they're not with you. And everyone else sees it. Everyone else looks at that child and sees how spoiled they are. The squeals off them, it's embarrassing. And no one wants to own the child at that part. Sometimes not even the parents. But that child is the parents. And that child is yours. And that child belongs to that mother. And that child belongs to that father. No matter what you do with him. They're yours. They're yours. And that child is like the sin that no one wants to own. Sin is a brat that no one wants to own. And sin lies at the door of men and women. Sin lies at the door of men and women who have rejected Christ all their life and they do not know maybe tonight they'll go home and close that door as it were and they'll go to bed and they may not even wake up in the morning. God will call time on you. Sin. Lies at the door. Here's something else sin will do. It will devour you. It's like a wild beast in the heart of men and women. It's like a wild animal at you all the time. In your fleshy members. In your carnal mind. And Sin will always bring you further than you ever meant to go. Keep you longer than you ever meant to stay. And cost you more than you ever meant to pay. Oh, you may say, tell me. Then tell me, preacher, how did I get this, this sin away from my door? The door of my consciousness. The door of my heart. This is how you do it. You come to the cleansing fountain of the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, will cleanse you from all of your sin. You know, in Luke chapter 13, if I could just turn briefly and quickly to it, we have, again, Another door. Let your eye just run down, please, to verse 24. The Lord Jesus says, "Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many I say unto you will not will, <clears throat> will seek to enter in, and shall not be able." Then once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door. And ye begin to stand without to knock, notice, at the door. There's sin at the door in Genesis 4. The sinner is at the door in Luke 13. And you're knocking at the door. And to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he will answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. I don't know where you have come from. Oh, I thought this New Testament God. And many will say, I thought this New Testament Jesus was love everybody and respect all things. Friend, Christ himself says there be those who will knock at the door. And they're in their sin. There's sin at the door. In Genesis 4. Neither sinner is at the door in Luke 13, knocking at the door to get in, but it's too late. The door's shut. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. I know not whence ye are. I know nothing about you. Then shall you begin to say, we have eaten and drunken in your presence and I has taught on our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. Jesus said this to the Jews in Jerusalem and Judea. And he says it to us this evening that outside of him there is no salvation. Are you going to leave it too late that you would be a sinner knocking at the door to get in and it's too late? Knocking to get in and Christ knows you not. There's sin at the door. You could be the sinner at Christ's door or heaven's door and you've left it too late. And he says, I don't know you. And lastly and quickly as we round this up, let's arrive run to Revelation chapter 3, please. The Lord Jesus is actually saying this to an apostate, backslidden, lukewarm church. And if so much at the church, then the door is being knocked to you. Revelation 3 and verse 20, the Lord says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The sinner is knocking in Luke 13. And here Christ now is knocking in Revelation 3 and 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, that's you my friend, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. This was the the supper was at night. It was more of an evening supper. And you see in Revelation 3 is the church of Laodicea, this last age church. Christ is mainly outside the door. The churches went lukewarm. You see it all around us today. There's too many comforts and too much online and people have just thought they'll take it easy and they, there's, there's a watered-down word there's a prosperity gospel and all of these things are happening and the blood is, is watered down, as it were, in the preaching and there's no Bible hardly taught to many of the churches and the people in them. And still the nation is going to hell in a handcart. In Christ the spirit of God has left many. Many places of worship. Above the door could be written. Echabod, the glory has departed. But Christ is saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's at the door tonight. He could be at the door of a Christian heart that's went cold, one that has fallen away and backslidden, a heart that has went wayward, a heart that has got lazy and lethargic. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's saying, if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in with him and sup with him and he with me. And you see, this supper wasn't just a matter of, well, it's a little cup of tea as we would have and a little sandwich of supper. Supper lasted for hours then. They sat and they talked. And they spoke one with another. And they fellowshiped one with another. See, the sin is in Genesis 4 at the door, devouring The sinner. The sinner has left it too late in Luke 13, knocking at the door, and they can't get in. But now Christ in this moment, in this hour, this evening, Christ is at the door and saying, I'm here. Let me in. Let me in. There's one example of this, and this is me finished. The book of the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, chapter 5. You see, this story is a love story. It's about a young Shunammite woman who's been put out into the fields and the sun has burnt her skin so much it's went black and worn and torn. Her dress is dirty and down the road she sees someone coming and it's the great king of Israel. It is Solomon with all his grandeur. And all the splendor. And there he comes not to run over her as it were in his chariot. But rather he pulls up beside her. And pulls her by the hand. Up from the mire and into the chariot. And brings her to his palace. And he washes her. And he clothes her in new garments. And there she is sitting at the king's table with fellowship. And here it is in parable form. They are singing a love song. It's the song of songs back and forward one to another. She says, I am as the tents of Gadar. as the curtains of Solomon. The tents of Gadar were the the, the tents of Arabs. And they used to put their tents up for maybe months or even a year or two. And they were weather-beaten. And the sand would beat against them and the sun would bleach them and the dirt would be on them and they would be tattered and they would be torn. And that young woman said, that's me and my sin. That's you and I, friend. That was Israel and their sin. Tattered and torn and weathered, beaten with the world. I am as the uh, tense of Kedar, she says. I'm like that. But in the palace washed, cleansed, and clothed in new garments. She looks at herself. She says, now in the palace I was as the tents of Gadar. But now I am as the curtains of Solomon. Beauty and ornate. And friend, that's what Christ does. He gives us his righteousness And he washes us in the blood. And we are as the curtains of Solomon. We're seated at the king's table. Feasting with the Lord. Fellowshiping with the sovereign. And one night she's in her bed. And this is where I finish. Song of Solomon. Chapter 5. Verse 2 says, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh. Notice he's at our door. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. For my head is filled with dew, and my locks with the drops of the night. I have put off my coat, he says. Notice, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? You know, she's saying, don't bother me, Lord. Don't bother me, Solomon. Don't bother me. I've taken off my coat. I've got into bed. I'm in a sleepy state. I'm in a state of relaxation. I've washed my feet. You see they had dirty roads and streets and they washed their feet. When they came in and he says, I've got dirty feet and I've washed them. I'm not going to get out for you at this time of night. And he's calling to her. And he's calling to you, friend. Knocking at the door, open to me, my love. Notice what it says in verse 3. I have put off my coat. How shall I put them on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the hole of the door. And my bowels were moved for him. I rose up to open to my beloved. My hands dropped with myrrh. And my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh. Upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved. But my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. You know what she's saying here? I have time for the rest. You know what she's saying? By the time he's knocking at the door, by the time I realize I better get my act together. If I love him, I'll get up. If I love him, I'll go to him. If I love him, I'll open the door. If I love him, I won't care about my coat. I won't care about my, my, my feet and my shoes. I won't care about this and that and the other like we care about. If I love him, I'll run to him. But she left it too late. She felt the mare. Used to be they would have left instead of a calling card, some perfume on the handle, and their lover would have known they were there and smelt it off the handle. By the time she got up, her lover was gone. He had withdrawn himself and was gone. Believer, don't you leave it too late. Christ is knocking at the door. He says, let me in. And I will sup with you. And you with me. Open, my beloved. There's sin at the door in Genesis 4. The sinner is at the door in Luke 13 and it's too late to get in. And the Lord's at the door in Revelation 3 and 20 waiting to get in. And in the Song of Solomon... He's no longer at the door. It's too late. He's gone. I trust none of us, whether it's for fellowship, to get back in the way of the Lord, or someone that's unsaved to get saved tonight, will leave it too late to come to the lover of their soul. He who loved you, and gave himself for you at Calvary. And shed his most precious, precious blood. May God bless his word tonight. I know God's speaking to people, even to believers. May God bless his own word to all of our hearts this evening. In whatever way he deems it fit to do it. Let's pray for a moment. Father, take of your word. Take of your word and let none of us leave. Let none of us even sleep tonight, Lord. But hear your voice. Let no one leave tonight, Lord, with sin lying at their door. Nor leave and leave it too late. That they might be turned away. Oh God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. And glorify your son for Jesus' sake I pray and ask it. Amen.